Genesis chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 22. And we've looked at Noah. He is a just, a perfect man who walked with God. Scripture is very limited in who it calls righteous, especially in men. And there are only three men in the book of Ezekiel, perhaps in all of Scripture, that are, are spoken of as being righteous. It's Noah, Daniel, and Job. And four times in the book of uh, Ezekiel, in chapter 14, these men are referred to as being righteous. These men are set apart as examples of righteousness. However, their own righteousness, according to God and according to this chapter, would their own righteousness would only be sufficient for their own deliverance. In other words, they couldn't take someone else with them because of their righteousness, not even their children. <laughs> And so Ezekiel speaks of the righteousness of Noah. Let me read Ezekiel 14, just three verses there, 12, 13, and 14. And uh, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Now, talking about Noah and so forth. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would only deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. It's interesting, though, that in verse 13... Persistent sin brings God's judgment. And he brings it in ways of he'll bring famine on a land. He'll bring war upon a land. Hunger will come about in the land because of the famine and even death. I fear for America in that regard. I really do. I'm as about as loyal to America, about as patriotic as I think a man can be. But I still see the flaws, the faults, the sins of America, and I'm concerned for her. I'm concerned for what my kids will go through. I'm concerned for what my grandkids will go through in this world, and it's very wicked. There was a time when America was considered a Christian nation. I don't think any of us that are true Christians would call America a Christian nation now. Not even here in the Bible Belt. You ought to go to some of the other places. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What a great thing to say, you know. And, uh, of course, Hollywood and all it's known for. But it was the same way in Noah's day. Things were very evil. But Noah has a reputation 
spoken of through Scripture as being righteous. To be righteous means you have a right standing, a right standing with God and your fellow man. Therefore, you are righteous. Noah not only had a good belief system, his theology was excellent. He had it down pat. But Noah was also a man of faith, believing God's word, believing God's word to him. And so when Noah hears God command him what to do, he doesn't hesitate. And when Noah heard the devastating news that God has declared I will destroy all of living flesh, both animal and man. It might have shocked Noah. It might have scared Noah. But it didn't cause Noah to faint or pull back from what God had called him to do. So let's look at Genesis 6, verses 14 through 22. And try to imagine if God said this to you, perhaps. And he's talking to Noah here in verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit above from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under the heaven all flesh which is in the earth or which is in the breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh that you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all the food that is, in, is to be eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. And then verse 22. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. There's the faith of Noah. His faith had shoe leather. His faith meant 120-year labor process. But God in verse 14, the very start of this, it gets personal because God tells Noah, make yourself an ark. God didn't say make an ark for all those animals and for all your sons and daughters and everything. He says, make yourself an ark, Noah. And that funnels it down. That brings it down to this is Noah's project. He can't pass it off to someone else. He can't be a subcontractor. <laughs> he and his sons are to build the ark. Now, I have personally, hands-on, been a part of building two houses. 
uh, for Lori and myself, one in California and one here. And when I say build, I mean from pouring of the foundation to nailing shingles down on the roof. My first home that I was part of building was out in California, and I hired a good friend who was a carpenter, and I asked him if he would consider building us a home. And then I told him, I said, there's one big drawback here. I am your helper. He thought it over, and he still agreed <laughs> to build us a house. Then we moved to Alabama, and we built a house up on Brindley Mountain. And this time, I turned it around. This time, I hired my helper. <laughs> and again, from concrete foundation to laying the blocks to putting the shingles on the roof, I was part of all of the construction. The point here is my house, my project. God is saying to Noah, build yourself an ark. First and foremost, Noah, this ark is for you. Noah has heard God. Noah isn't to oversee the building of the ark. He's to be a hands-on shipbuilder. And there weren't many of those around then. <laughs> Shipbuilders, that is. <clears throat> and the ark, you have to understand, you got to kind of think, adult-wise, mature levels here, it wasn't, the ark wasn't this cute little boat that we see in juvenile pictures and things. The ark was more like a huge barge, okay? A giant shoebox that would float. It wasn't until 1958 that a ship or a boat bigger than the ark was ever built by man. That's like 4,000 years. It took 4,000 years for man to build a bigger ship than the ark. The ark was to have over 700 pairs of animal, over 700 pairs if just two of every kind were brought in. But more than that were brought in because we have two of every species being brought in, and that equaled over 35,000 animals in the ark. And you got to think, it got a little crowded and probably a little smelly in that place, you know what? But the ark, to get an idea of its vast size, it was capable of 270,000 animals and all their food. And Noah is told, build an ark. And when he's told to build the ark, he has not yet heard from God how God will destroy the world. He's given the instructions to build the ark first. And up until this time, there had been no rain on earth. And therefore, there had never been a flood on earth. Not even a local flood. And just try to put yourself in Noah's spot, in his position, just for a moment. Was Noah devastated? I think he probably was. Fear of this coming destruction of all flesh 
it had to have an impact on Noah. He Noah has looked around. He was not a dumb man. He saw the evilness of the world all around him. He realized that only he and his family really worshiped God. I mean, you you can't be ignorant of that kind of thing if you're the one out there and you're the only one that's worshiping God. And fear had to come upon Noah. It had to have an impact upon him. Noah is a great man of faith, but he is also a man that's probably very frightened at what God's going to do. For a moment, we'll talk about some of the accounts of the ark or proof of the ark from different people who have been eyewitnesses of the ark in our day. Uh, there have been soldiers that have seen the ark. There have been explorers that have seen the ark. And as late as 1856, there was an Armenian man who, as a boy, went with his father to look for the ark along with three atheistic scientists. These scientists wanted to go up there and look for an ark. They had heard about it to disprove the existence of the ark. They're going to go look and see for themselves. However, they found the ark, and this enraged the three atheistic scientists so much that they attempted to destroy the ark. But they failed because the ark was so huge, it was so large, and by now it is petrified and they could do little damage to it. One of these scientists on his deathbed in 1918, he admitted that he had tried to destroy the ark. There have been many other sightings by uh, airplane pilots of this large ship on Mount Ararat. But there's one big drawback. First of all, there's a hostile environment or hostile government that has the rights over Mount Ararat, and that prevents uh, a thorough search for the ark. Plus, it's at an elevation of around 14,000 feet. That means it's probably covered in snow, glaciers, and this kind of thing most of the time, and only after a long period of warm weather, several years, can it thaw out to, a, to the point where you can actually see anything. But that wouldn't mean anything. In Second Peter chapter 3, Peter sums up the attitude of unbelievers. Let me read Second Peter 3. Verses 3 through 7. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, speaking of the scoffers, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world then existed, perished, being flooded with water. 
But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There is coming another destruction of the world, and this time it will be by fire. But Peter, he talks about the world, past tense, having been destroyed by water, speaks of the future tense as being destroyed by fire, and then he says, man willfully. Willfully means you choose to not remember. They willfully forget that by the word of God, creation came forth. And also by the word of God, judgment and destruction also will come forth. The willingness, the forgetfulness of man, that should tell each and every believer of the world that we live in. The world does not want to accept God. They do not want to believe the things of God because they prefer to live in a dark place in their sins, and it's that simple. Believing is a heart issue. You can take any segment of society, you can take any group of people, and you can present them with the same facts same truthful facts and only a few of that group will choose to believe it's almost like God stacks the deck against himself but the best news the most glorious news ever presented to mankind is the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus after his death yet there are few who really believe that and apply it to their life. And Peter, he vividly points out, believing is an act of my will. Believing is not assembling the facts and coming to a conclusion. The heart leads. We believe from the heart. The heart dictates what the mind and body does. You and I believe this morning because God has put within us a heart that responds to him. And I thank him all the time for that. The truth has gone out to all of mankind. But there are few who respond to the truth by believing. Narrow is the way. Few are who find it. To believe... When you speak of believing in biblical terms, it means to trust in and rely upon God. It's not just a mental, yeah, maybe that's true. No, it's more than that. Most of the world, you see, they're quick to admit Jesus lived and died and went to a Roman cross. But few, very few, will take that same truth and apply it to their lives. Very few. The flood, Noah's Ark, is one of those historical events that man, speaking in general terms, would really willfully like to forget. 
Because you see, if I'm forced to accept, if I'm forced to believe that there truly was an ark and there truly was a flood, then it stands to reason that God's word is then truth. And man will do cartwheels to try to disprove God's word. The ark that God told Noah to build, it's critical for the salvation of animal life and human life. Therefore, we have God giving Noah instructions, and he gives Noah even the dimensions of the ark, and even the type of wood that he's to use to build it. And he, then he tells him how to seal the ark, you know, with pitch or tar, inside and out. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Well, that may not mean much to you, but a cubic is about a foot and a half, so it's, the ark is about 450 feet long. The ark is also 75 feet wide and about 45 feet high, three decks. So that's each deck is about 15 feet. Then in verse 17, God declares to Noah, floodwaters are coming, Noah. Noah now receives the details of how God will destroy man. Can you imagine the emotions that went through Noah when God begins to describe how he will destroy the world? You hear, we hear God declaring, I will destroy all air-breathing flesh on earth and everything shall die. Doomsday judgment has come to the earth. And then we have verse 18. Verse 18 starts off, but I speaking of God, or but God. Some of the best words mankind has ever heard is but God. It takes a situation, a dire situation, shows you all the details of it, then it says but God. But God intervening on behalf of mankind. God says to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you. God is making provision for the saving of mankind through one righteous man, the only righteous man left on earth. But Noah isn't the only one who's ever experienced but God. You and I have experienced but God. God is for us. In Romans 8.31 it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Boy, doesn't that make things simple? <laughs> I mean, you take that verse and you go, yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> if God is for me, it, it really doesn't matter who's against me. But you know, as a Christian man, I cannot imagine going through life without God making provisions for me, a sinful man. God has just told Noah that he's bringing a flood on the earth, the whole earth. He's going to destroy all of air-breathing life, man and animal. 
What would your reaction be if God told you this truth? What if you were that man? What if you were Noah for a moment and God has just told you, you're it, Noah. You, your three sons and their wives and your wife. That's it. All else is going to be destroyed. The terror that struck the heart of Noah probably left him mentally paralyzed. It probably just devastated him that God was really going to destroy the whole world. The fear of the coming flood, it has to be a great motivator for Noah. Because we try to preserve life at all costs, all of us do. It's a basic human drive. Consider how motivated we are for just, say, a few retirement years. <laughs> do you save? Do you have money in a 401k? We do, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> We're saving. We're trying. We want our golden years to be happy years. <laughs> and the thought and the effort that we put into just retiring for a few years is sort of amazing. Noah is given a task, and that task is 120-year task. It's going to take Noah 120 years to build the ark. Noah's building of the ark becomes his life's sermon. For it tells us Noah was a preacher of righteousness. It's not only is it his words, his actions are his sermon. He is going to build an ark, and it's going to take him 130 years to build, 120 years to build that ark. And here's the thing. In that 120 years, Noah isn't able to convince one person of the flood that's coming. Not one person on earth will listen to Noah as he builds the ark. Not one. Evil mankind, they're probably taking a scornful delight in going over. Hey, let's go over and tease Noah today about his ark. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Noah, he's frightened. I'm sure he's frightened. I would have been. He's a righteous man, he's a man of faith, and he's building an ark. God has given man 120 years to repent. They've given him a sermon right there in Noah building an ark, and not one man or woman, not one person, repents of their evil ways and joins in to help Noah. During that 120 years, do you think Noah needed encouragement from God? I would have. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> and I think God was faithful to encourage Noah. It might have took, we don't know, it might have took Noah 20 years just to gather the materials. <laughs> you know, Cut these trees down, do all this kind of thing. 
you know, 120-year project? Maybe Noah said to God, hey, God, no one's believing me, even though they see me building an ark. The world still thinks I'm crazy, God. Nobody's turning from their evil ways. No one is repenting. And I think Noah probably questioned God about the situation on earth quite a bit. After all, he's the only one out there building an ark. How many times would I have said to God, Okay, Lord, I want to know if I really heard you right. Build an ark? Did I get that right, God? Did I really hear from you right on that? If I heard you right, God, give me a few converts. I don't know, 20 or 30, two or three, any, one. It would have been so easy for Noah to lose heart. And it will be so easy for us to lose heart sometimes when we pray for a situation or a person for years and years and years. Maybe an unsaved loved one. You know, you so desperately want to see them come to the Lord. And when there is no apparent answer to your prayer, remember Noah. 120 years, not one convert. Noah, he knew that a world-devastating flood is coming, and he's out there, and he's working on that ark every day. Yet nobody listens. The 120 years of Noah working on the ark equals out to over 30,000 work days. That's a few. 30,000 work days. And no one responds. Yet by faith, Noah continues to build an ark. And then verse 22, last verse of chapter 6. Thus Noah did according to all God commanded him, so he did. What a beautiful thing to have said about Noah. What a beautiful thing to have said about any of us. Can you imagine someone starting a 120-year project in today's world? We want faster computing from our computers that already think fast. <laughs> we want faster cooking from our microwaves. Think about that. You want a microwave to be faster than it already is. You want a faster car because you have a need for speed. <laughs> That's why I put a chip in my diesel truck. 
just a little more horsepower. I, I took it out this week. But anyway. <laughs> and if we're not careful in our need for what I call speed, we can push God into that mold of our expectations of I want it now, God. God, I want you to get on my timetable of answering prayer. I knew a young man. He was a brilliant young man. And talked to him recently, and he said he wanted to retire by the age of 50. That used to be 40, but he's now 39, and you realize he's not going to make it. So his timetable has had to move up. <laughs> now he wants to retire at 50, not 40. When Lori and I moved to Alabama, I thought, well, it might take two or three years, maybe four or five years, but after a little while, we'll be a thriving Calvary Chapel. Yes, sir, because I'm a good teacher. <laughs> well, you do. You play these games with your mind. All right. Here's the point. Hopefully, and I say this in all sincerity, hopefully I have learned to simply do what God has called me to do and leave the results up to him. Because if you look at the results, you'll get discouraged. And I don't care what the results are. Do I get discouraged when things that I've planned, uh, my efforts are not at what I call prosperous? I can only answer that in one word. Yep. <laughs> but God shows me, and he's faithful to show me all the time, Don, you just be faithful for what I called you to do, and you relieve the results up to me. That's the call on my life. And I want to be faithful to that call. So each and every week I get up here, deliver these well thought out, touching sermons. They are. <laughs> at, least, at least you think they are. <laughs> Because I'm called to do that. And I want to encourage each of you. Because you see, I don't know what each of you are called to. But I know God has called you to perhaps be a godly parent. To have an influence on your children. Maybe God has called you to be that witness at work or at school. Maybe God has called you to intercede in prayer for someone, and he won't release you. He calls you to pray for that person. Maybe God has just called you to be a Sunday school teacher here at church. I don't know what God has called you to do, but I do want you to be faithful. Keep praying. Keep believing. Leave the results up to God. You just be faithful. And now I'm going to give you a picture at the end of the tunnel. And after 120 years, like Noah, you can rest. 
That's all you got to do. You only got to be faithful 120 years. Let's pray. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we would love to hear from you that we're righteous and that we're faithful. And Lord, you've you've been so faithful to us. You've been faithful to save us. You're faithful to forgive us. You're faithful to give us your spirit. God, we, we can find no fault with you whatsoever. So we pray that like Noah, we will be faithful to do what you've called us to do. Whatever that is, Lord. And then, then let the rest just rest with you. For we know that if we're pleasing to you with our lives, we will receive a reward. Noah received his family and all of humanity coming through him. Saved all animal life by being faithful to build an ark. Whatever you've called us to, Lord, it's your call upon our life if we want to be faithful. So help us. Lead us and guide us and show us the call that you have upon our lives. We pray for this and ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.